number and they all preached a little, you know. Well, they ran out of time and they all didn't get to preach. So a carload of them were going home and they were the ones that had preached. They was just in, just rejoicing over the service and how God had moved and everything. One of them was sitting real quiet. They said, well, brother, what's the matter with you? Didn't you enjoy the service? He said, well, he said, this one didn't get to preach, you know. He said, well, he said, uh, I'm going home undelivered. <laughs> so I told her, good, I may have to go home undelivered. <laughs> I'm not a preacher, but I do like to teach. And I think what Sister Loretta Earl says, she's an exhorter. <laughs> so I hope that I can say something that will edify and bless us all today. I want to make it. I want to make it to heaven. And we've got a, a new year approaching us. And I like New Year's. And I like New Year's resolutions. I always make some. I may break them, but I always make them. If you don't make any effort, well, you're not ever going to do any better. you got to make some rules and regulations and disciplines in your life and try to stay by them. And if you don't try and set some goals and say, okay, I like to write them down. And I'm going to try, by the help of the Lord, do this this year. I don't always do it, but I keep trying. And if you keep trying, God will help you and you can gain the victory. But uh, Brother Kitts wanted me to talk about a woman's view of the birth of Christ and and you men can relax because I'm not going to just all together talk women talk today. <laughs> and uh, I want to compliment the men of this church. I, I've observed you, and I like strong, masculine-looking men, and that's what you are, and I like that, and I think God likes that. And uh, I, I appreciate the ladies of this church. They, they look godly, and I hear them in the prayer room praying, and... and uh, I, I just feel like this is a good church. And I told Brother Kitts, I said, now, I don't brag on Tom Johnson's church like I brag on your church. They compete over my favor. I was out at Tom Johnson's last year, Brother Tom Johnson's, and uh, he had a little calendar on his wall, a little, little uh, wooden calendar, crafty kind of calendar. And I said, oh, I want one, though. He said, we'll get you one. Before the time was over, we went down to that shop. I was going to buy it myself. No, he wouldn't let me buy it. He bought it for me. And we got in the car, and he said, now tell Coots to talk that. <laughs> so, so the other day, something, Brother Coots did something. He said, tell Tom to talk that. Well, we're supposed to be talking about Christmas. Christmas is over, but, you know, there's not any certain time that we're supposed to celebrate Christmas. We don't know Jesus came on the 25th. In. But I imagine two of the most talked about women in the Bible are the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I don't even know if that virtuous woman ever existed. I, don't, I never did run into a woman that had all those qualities. Now, they're good. I, like, I think every one of us women ought to read that over pretty often and to see how we measure up 31st chapter of Proverbs about the virtuous woman but I just I don't measure up to all that but I'm trying but uh, I don't know if she was for real or not but we do know that Mary was for real that she was a real person and uh, you know 
this world is looking for people that are real, they are. There is so much phony plastic stuff in this world, and, and people get that way. They get phony and plastic. And, and uh, that conference one year, there were a couple of well-known ladies in our ranks. I was surprised. Same conference I was at, these two women told me, she said, they said, Sister Anderson, you're so real. And I thought, well, I thought that's what we're supposed to be, real. You know, we're supposed to be real. And and that there's a hungry world out there, saints that's looking for real people, a real experience. And we've got it here. And uh, we want to live in such a way that they can see that we are for real. And Mary was for real. She was a real person. And uh, the, I, I'm always marvel at the different interpretations that people give about her feelings, her emotions. You know, women are, tend to be more emotional than men. But uh, I, I just imagine that young girl, she was only probably 15 or 16 when all this happened. And uh, all of the mixed emotions that she had, uh, uh, there was a good writing in the, this year, month's reflections about that, of all the emotions that she felt and, and the struggles that she had. And she was very young, and all of a sudden an angel appeared to her. I never saw an angel within you. I'd be scared. My age, I'd be scared. She was only 15. And, and I had the Holy Ghost 43 years. I'd still be scared if I saw an angel. But if an angel appeared to her, begin to tell her the strangest things. Of course, they knew there was a Messiah coming, and every young girl hoped that it would be them, that he would be born. But the emotions and the fear and the, and the shame that she uh, had to face, and that really there was no reason to be ashamed. She was chosen of God. But people didn't understand that. And uh, I, now, I've never had children. I'm not going to talk too plain here, but I never had my children. I never was ever expecting a baby. But one time, and I was up in my 30s, one time I really thought maybe I was. I wasn't. But, and I had the most strangest emotions for about two or three days. I didn't know why. I thought, oh dear, my lifestyle is going to change. And I, I was happy and I was scared. And I don't you women that have had children, you don't know what she experience, but uh, I, I can't really relate to all that, except in my mind, but I'm sure that, that she really struggled with this and and uh, went through this as a normal uh, birth and all, but uh, you can't really talk about the Christmas story of Mary, but what comes to my mind, Elizabeth, and I might could relate to her a little better. She was of old age before she ever had a child. <laughs> And I was reading this the other day, and I never had read this before. Isn't it strange how you can reread the Bible, and you never do notice something, and all of a sudden, well, it said that after that, after that she found out that she was going to have this baby, Elizabeth, she went and hid herself for five months. She hid herself for five months. She is happy about it, but she hid herself for five months. And I, I was thinking about that. You know, uh, I'm old-fashioned, but... I think people need to be a little more discreet sometimes. And uh, I remember when my little brother was born, I was just five years old, and I didn't know nothing about it. 
until I went to school in September, and the kids asked me, they said, Melissa, is your mother going to have a baby? I said, no, not that I know of. I don't know anything hardly about things like that. And sure enough, she was in November, but I didn't know it. And my little brother was born at home, and all, all of us kids were born at home. All the rest of us five kids were upstairs, and I was five years old. My brother older me was nine years old. We didn't hear one thing. My brother come downstairs the next morning and was going to sit in a rocking chair by the stove, and he sat on the baby, <laughs> even though it was here. <laughs> so the times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> And kids know an awful lot about things anymore at five. But uh, I feel like we could be a, a little more discreet. And uh, anyway, Elizabeth hit herself for five months, and she was real happy about it. But I, I thought about this. You know, Zachariah, when he came out from the temple, and he didn't really believe the angel that they were going to have a son, called him John, didn't really believe it. He said, okay, you're not going to speak until the baby's born. So I thought, I have thought about this so many times. How in this wide world did they communicate for nine months, Elizabeth and John, or Zachariah? How, how did they communicate? Maybe she couldn't even read or write. They, I, I thought, well, maybe they wrote each other notes for nine months. <laughs> I'd like to write your husband notes for nine months, everything you said. <laughs> and, and, and there she was, the most happy thing that was ever going to happen to him. They couldn't even talk about it. He could hear, I guess. She could talk. <laughs> he could talk. And, and, uh, and I guess he could hear, but he had to write her notes. And, oh, I tell you, that must have been time. So anyway, here was the end of the student. He had to wait five minutes. And uh, Mary decided to go visit her. And don't you know those women had a lot to talk about? And I imagine that, <laughs> I don't know if Mary let her know that she's coming, but uh, I just imagine that Elizabeth had a lot to say and she wanted to talk o over things with people. Something about women, we like to talk things over. And uh, so here came Mary to, to see Elizabeth and uh, she no more than got there. Uh, instead of starting to talk normal conversation, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elizabeth. This is found in Luke, the second chapter, the 39th verse. It said, and Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she began to prophesy and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of my salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then immediately the Spirit of the Lord came upon Mary, and she, she started prophesying, and she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded the low state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. 
He has showed strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And he's put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And the Spirit of the Lord just came on both of those women as they met. And they must have had a rejoicing time and, and, and worship God and talk things over. And here they were expecting these two babies that would be not normal, the ordinary type of babies. John the Baptist was to be the forerunner of Christ and Jesus, of course, the Savior of the world. And these two women met and talked and they burst forth into this prophecy. Well, uh, you know, we, we read a lot of things and we have a lot of preformed things in our mind about the birth of Christ. And uh, <coughs> I found this little writing and it was just to prove that, that or to break your mind or to think about it, that Mary was just like any ordinary person except she was chosen of God. And I'm sure she was very holy and dedicated, set apart, but she was a normal person. She had feelings like we do. And we see these paintings Mary and the baby. She looks so serene and her, her hair is all combed and she's just looking real beautiful. But it might not have been that way at all. And uh, uh, 45 minutes after the birth, I doubt if she sat up with that serene look and had her hair all combed and all, all that. I mean, I don't know. I never went through it, but I'm sure it was not that way. But uh, consider the pressures that were upon her. Her hometown was probably still a buzz about her early pregnancy. You know, they, they, even after Jesus was born, they accused him of being an illegitimate child. And her groom, her, her bridegroom, had nearly walked out on the marriage until an angel talked him into sticking around. And her baby had decided to arrive during the trip, a five days walk from home. And you think at least she had a donkey to ride. Do you know the scriptures do not say anything about a donkey? We picture riding along on her on this donkey. The Bible doesn't even say nothing about a donkey. She may have walked the whole five days journey. And so the gospel don't say anything about an animal that she rode on. And she and Joseph were no doubt broke because they just paid their taxes. And uh, here she is in this this strange setting, this baby's arrived and then, then here comes all these strange men and the shepherds, you know, came here they come, invading their privacy coming to, to talk to them and ask questions, so she had a lot of pressures on her life and uh, she might not have been as serene as those pictures project and then again she might have been, we don't know but uh, life is real and people are real, but what I want to call to your attention today, really, I just was giving you a little discourse on that, but what I really want to call to your attention is the second chapter of Luke. And when the angel came to Mary, in the 26th verse, he said, well, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the 
28th verse is what I want to call your attention to. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And then verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And I want to talk this morning about having favor with God. And we know that that Mary was chosen of God. She must have been dedicated. She must have been uh, a real separated, uh, obedient, had the right attitude type of person. And, and it was, she must have been the best that God could find on earth at that time. And we don't worship Mary, but she did have some quality or God would not have used her. She was chosen of God. She found favor with God. She, of all the girls, women that lived at that time. She found favor with God. And then uh, she continued on serving the Lord. She, the Bible says she pondered things in her heart. She knew what the angel had told her. When they went to dedicate Jesus in the temple, Anna said, uh, you know, she recognized him and Simeon recognized him. And Simeon said, a sword's going to pierce your own soul too. And she didn't know what that all meant. But she pondered all these things the angels said, and Simeon had prophesied, and Elizabeth prophesied, and the scriptures had uh, prophesied about him. She pondered all these things. And as she taught that little boy and raised him up and watched him in the carpenter shop, and they went to Jerusalem and they lost him, and, and she was worried just like any other mother. I believe she took care of him with the best that she could and cooked and sewed and washed his clothes and, and bathed him and, and just like any normal mother he was like any normal child but when he said when they found him in the temple talking to the to the doctors and the lawyers people that knew the law and he said don't you know I'm going to be about my father's business and I'm sure she what? yes but I don't understand all this and then when Jesus got launched into his ministry uh, Mary had some more things to hurdle he wasn't accepted, and people uh, in a lot of places, they, they followed him for the fishes and the loaves and the healings, the miracles, you know, but some of the things he said, they took issue with. And one time, he had, Mary and his, and, and, and his brothers and sisters, the children that were born afterwards, Mary and Joseph, they went where he was teaching, and they were alarmed. They were afraid. Public opinion was turning against him, and they were afraid. And even they thought, the brothers even thought that he might be a little beside himself and take a little too much authority. They didn't understand who he was. not sure nothing. And so someone told Jesus, your mother and your brethren are out there. And he said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But those that do the will of God. He didn't even recognize her as his mother. He didn't come out and say, oh, mama, I'm so glad to see you. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But they that do the will of God. And... Uh, there were a, a number of women that followed Jesus and the Bible says and ministered unto him of their substance as he walked the shores of Galilee and went through these cities. There were a number of women that followed Jesus or disciples or followers of Jesus. They took care of his needs. And I'm sure Mary was, was one of them. And she followed him then all the way to the cross. And she watched all of this, this suffering. And, and I'm sure it did pierce her soul. I don't like to see anybody suffer. I don't, I don't like to even kill nothing, not even deer. Uh-oh. 
I ate a snag there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no, there's just something about me. I just I don't, you like to, I don't like to feel bugged if they didn't have to be. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm sure it was terrible to watch her son, her fleshly son, murdered on the cross. And but at the last, Jesus did take care of his mother. He, he told John, he said, John, behold your mother. Your son, he made arrangements for her. Here. But he had the whole world on his shoulders, not just his mother. And so then Mary followed even further than that. She followed to the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, she was named among the 120 that were there, continually in the temple, praising God. And uh, she received the Holy Ghost with the 120. She was, she was a good and, and a precious woman, but she still needed the Holy Ghost like anybody else when the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and God was changing the dispensation of grace over to the church age. Uh, Mary needed the Holy Ghost and she was there, so she followed him all the way. And she sought the favor of God all the way. And uh, I, I, if I have a title for this, I want to call it I Seek His Favor. And uh, Mary found favor with God. The angel said that she did, and we know that she did because she was chosen. But we that have received the Spirit of the Lord in this day, we're highly favored of God, too. The angels desired to look into this, and the prophets desired this, that we have. They desired to have the Holy Ghost like we have it. And it wasn't time yet. And of course, angels can never have salvation like we have. When we get there, we're going to sing a song the angels can't sing. Because they've never been, they've never had to repent. And they've never been saved from their sins. They've never had their sins washed away and when they were baptized in Jesus' name. They've never received the Holy Ghost. And they desired this. And we take it so lightly sometimes. But we are highly favored of God. And not in the way that Mary was, but we are favored. Joel 2.28, you've been learning this scripture, and it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. We are chosen of God also if we're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We're chosen to be in the bride of Christ, and that we are favored with this. And so, uh, we have, since we have received this spirit, we should treasure it, and we should rejoice in it. <coughs> and it is a favor that God has given us. And since we have been favored with this message and with this experience, we should seek to fill our place in this generation and in this church that he has called us into. And we should seek to live in such a manner that we would be a vessel of honor in his, in his great house. And uh, we all have different talents, different abilities, but we all have something that we can do for the Lord. And there is, I want to talk a little bit about this, there is a favor of men and there is a favor of God. And these are not always contrary, but... Uh, the definition of favor is liking, approval, to be on the side of, support, or help. And God can give us many times favor with men. He does. He'll give you favor 
on your job sometimes, give you promotions, maybe the boss appreciates what you've done, he gives you favor with people. Uh, I know sometimes thinner people would give Brother Anderson my offering, but we have needs. Sometimes thinner people, that we just, God gave us favor with them and they would help us. And so uh, God gives us favor with men. And he can make even our enemies be at peace with us. You know, he just gives us favor. And he blesses us through others in many ways. When Joseph went down into Egypt, God gave him favor with the king and gave him favor with, with the, the jailers and Potiphar's house and all. He gave him favor. When Daniel went over into Babylon, God gave him favor with the kings. And he can give us favor in this world as we walk through this wicked world. God can give us favor with men, and I believe it is a blessing of God. And uh, he, he does. He'll do it for us. Esther found favor with the king. And uh, it says in the Bible that as Jesus didn't know much about his, his uh, growing up days other than being in the temple when he was 12, but Luke 2 and 52 says Jesus increased in favor with God and men. And he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And to increase, this is four areas that Jesus increased in, and we should, pro, we should try to also. He increased intellectually in wisdom. He increased physically in stature. He increased socially with men, and he increased spiritually with God. And so we want to uh, channel our lives so that we increase in wisdom and stature uh, well, some of us don't need to grow anymore, especially this way. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis for today on physical fitness. And uh, I think all of us probably could live a little healthier if we would. But uh, of course, bodily exercise profit is little. The Bible says, but we need to exercise our things, ourselves in spiritual things. But I don't think it's wrong to seek the favor of men if our motives are right. Now, we're, we're, the Bible tells us that we are not to be men-pleasers, and we're not to be artificial and hypocritical and deceitful in seeking favors from people. I worked on a job with a girl, and uh, she would be so careful how she addressed the boss, you know. I mean, it would almost be sickening sweet. And... Uh, I, I think we ought to respect our bosses and all that, but she would just put it on so sickeningly sweet and it would just turn you off. And she wasn't really that type of person. She could be real hateful. She wasn't sickeningly sweet. She could be real hateful, but when she'd address the boss, she would just whisper to laugh. And she would just go to him so carefully and so she was just seeking favor. And if I want to talk to him, I just went straight to it, talk to him. And and he honored that. And uh, people like for you to be real. Keep that in mind. They like for you to be real. They don't like that deceitful, sneaking kind of favor to get favor for yourself. And if we're seeking favor for ourselves in a deceitful way, that's, that's not good. However, if you're on the job, you do need to seek to, to please your boss. You need to put in a good day's work. But you need to do it not so he'll praise you, but so that he will notice that you are a Christian and be interested in your God. We want to glorify God in what we do, not to call attention to ourselves and let people brag on us. Same way when you get up to sing a song or, or do anything in the church, you want to glorify God, not yourself.
Uh, I know I went through a time when I was just a young person. I was singing specials, you know. And any time I'd get up to sing and I thought I could really put it over myself, I'd make a big flop. And then when, then when I'd pray and say, oh, Jesus, help me to sing this song, then God would bless me. And if we're getting up, even using our talent in church just to show off, God will not honor that. But if we want his favor, we want to glorify him in what we do. The Bible does teach for servants to obey their masters as unto the Lord because it's right. The Bible does teach submission, submission to authority, to parents, to teachers, husbands, to wives. He, it teaches that. And when we do that, we have the favor of God upon us. And it's, it's an advantage to ourselves if we have the favor of men. But uh, it's more important that we have the favor of God. Proverbs 31 and 30 says, Favor is deceitful. And people can favor you one day and be against you the next day. You know that people are fickle. They can just brag on you one day and the next day hate you, especially in the world. And uh, favor is deceitful. You, you might think you've got the favor of someone, and then all of a sudden they can just turn, and you don't have their favor at all. But favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman, and I would say this would be a man too, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. If you really fear the Lord and, and seek his favor, it's, it's much better than the favor of men or to the beauty uh, that you might have. So there is no, no doubt about there is some advantage to have the favor of men, but then there's absolutely no doubt to, that to have the favor of God, there is an advantage to it. The Apostle Paul, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus, he said, what would you have me to do, Lord, when he found out who Jesus was? He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he said, what would you have me to do, Lord? Now, Paul didn't just ask that one time, but he asked that continually all his life. He'd get done with one missionary journey, and he'd say, what would you have me to do, Lord? He'd go preach in this city, and he'd say, what would you have me do, Lord? And that was a continual question in Paul's life, all his life. What would you have to do, Lord? And uh, that, that would be good for us to pattern ourselves in that way. There is an advantage to having the favor of God, a definite advantage. First, we get our prayers answered. Uh, if, if our hearts don't condemn us, we can ask what we will, and, and he'll do it. There's an advantage to having the favor of God. There's protection. Under, under the favor of God. He protects us and, and has the angels camping around about us. And, of course, the main thing, advantage will be having an eternal life. There are rewards for being faithful and having the favor of God on your life. I believe that with all my heart. There's rewards for your faithfulness, and God will favor you. He'll give you a peaceful life. He'll, he'll solve your problems for you. There's all kinds of advantages that we can have when we have the favor of God. <laughs> and I remember Brother Hubert Myers preached a message once, and I, the only thing I remember about it is he said, live so that God smiles on you. And God says, I like that. That pleases me. We should seek God's favor in such a way that he can have that feeling toward us. I like that. that they please me. And, and God's... Uh, of course, he's waiting to take his bride away, and, and of course that will be the 
consummation of his favor, those that are in the rapture will know that they have really had the favor of God. Those that are not have not had his favor, evidently, because they would have gone. But uh, our attitude toward God should not be just a fearful looking for judgment and afraid of him all the time, but we should seek for that smile of approval from God. And that bride and bridegroom relationship, when a bride is preparing herself for her husband, she's doing everything that she can to please and to look her best for that man to act just right. And, and we should be that way in preparation for the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming for his bride. And he's coming for a people that have made themselves ready. And they're going to be blameless, spotless, without blemish. And that, that's going to take something. And we can only do that as we seek his favor. And so he wants to favor us with his choicest blessings. God wants to favor us. But I believe that, it, that all of us should be seeking his favor. And uh, I thought as we're approaching a new year, uh, what a wonderful thing if every one of us, including me, I'm talking to myself this morning too, if every one of us could just purpose in our heart this year, I am going to seek his favor. I'm going to seek his favor. I'm going to seek his favor. And this little thought was kind of born from a song that we sing. Isn't, isn't it strange how you, you just sing an old familiar hymn, sing it over and over, and all of a sudden, one little line of this grab you. I was singing, uh, as we close this today, I want to sing this song, but I was singing this song, Jesus, my heavenly king, loves me, I know. Praises to him, and sing long with I know. Chorus says, I love my Savior, he loves me too, and then this grab me. Is that I seek his favor in everything I do. And that grabbed me. And I thought, oh, I, I don't think I do want to do But I won't do And if we could just purpose in our hearts that, that as this coming in, you know, this will bring revival. It'll bring revival. You better believe as we seek his favor, it'll bring revival. And I thought about this scripture. David in the 51st Psalm, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then notice this verse. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You want to have revival? seek his favor and do these things. Let God create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit in you and, uh, and seek after the Holy Ghost and ask God for the joy of your salvation. I, I, I have been asking God for joy. I've gone through a, a, a valley and I've gone through grief and I've gone through loss and I've told the Lord several times, God, I want to feel some joy. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of grieving over not only my husband's death, but other things. I'm tired of it. I just want to feel the joy again in my soul. And, and it's there. That's the Holy Ghost is righteousness, peace, and joy. And I, I, I have the peace, and I feel like the righteousness. Sometimes I don't feel like I've got the joy. But, you know, joy is coming in the morning. I keep telling God. I know I'm going through this valley, and I know I'm going through this grief, and I know I'm going through some things, but 
joy is going to come in the morning. The Bible says so. And I'm, I'm glad that I had that promise. But I've I, I, I told the Lord, said, God, I'm ready to feel a little joy. And, and uh, maybe I'll feel it here. <laughs> I'm feeling good right now. But, uh, you know, there's that, Brother Urshan referred to this at conference, and I'm sure you probably read this book where it said, Time was in his steps, and these people decided that all through the year, year, every one of them, before they did anything, they were going to ask themselves this question What did Jesus do? And how it changed their lives. And this is a story, but it tells the different uh, people in different, different vocations and all, they asked themselves that question. Every time they had a decision to make, any time they say, What would Jesus do? If we could this morning just think in our hearts, this coming year, 1991, I am going to seek his favor. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to seek it. Uh, first, of, first of all, if you don't have the Lord, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you haven't repented, you haven't got the Holy Ghost, you, you need to seek for his favor, his acceptance. We don't just accept Christ. He has to accept us. When he gives us his spirit, he accepts us. And puts that seal upon us. So if you have not experienced that this morning, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name and get the seal of approval on your life. Then you can have the favor of God upon your life. You need salvation. And then uh, as you're following him, we need to seek his favor in, his, in our decisions, in job changes, in moves, or, or whatever. We need to seek his favor. Seek his favor as we serve him, as we... As we uh, any decision any, any, any all day if we could get up every morning and say God I want your favor on me today I want to seek your favor whatever happens help me to have the right spirit help me to have the fruit of the spirit in my life help me to manifest your glory help me to bring praise into your name I want your favor and if we will do that day by day we can't do it all at once I was thinking this morning and some things that I really need to overcome. And, you know, we think sometimes it's hard to just make a clean break with something. You find that? It's hard for me sometimes. i got a stubborn will. How about you? I do. I have to make myself do things sometimes. Make myself pray. But uh, I, I thought, God, if, if I could just seek your favor, and I immediately, you know, we start seeking God's favor. He begins to bring to your mind things you need to do or not do, you know. And I was thinking about that this morning, and I thought, it's hard sometimes to make a clean break. That I'm never going to do this again, or I'm going to start doing this, and now on I'm going to do this. Some people can, some people can't. But if I thought, I was thinking of this one area in my life, and I thought, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to take the month of January, and I'm going to do this. Something God's been dealing with me to do, and I know it will bring His favor. And I think, no, I'm just not going to think about the whole year. I'm going to think, month of January, I'm going to do this. I'll help the Lord. And you know, if you'll kind of piece it up a little bit, then you kind of get yourself in a habit, and then you can continue. So this morning, if if there's things in in your life, and there probably are, every one of us, that we just don't really seeking the Lord's favor altogether and I wonder if we could just search our hearts a little bit this morning and say God I, I really want to seek your favor 
We're going to have to have it, saints. If we make the rapture, we're going to have to have the favor of God. You better believe we're going to have to have it. And uh, so it, if you could just kind of search yourself a little bit and think, God, what more can I do? What can I quit doing to have your favor? Just to have your favor in my life. I want to be highly favored in God. And if we're ready for the rapture, we will be highly favored. The Lord could come this year. He really could. He'd come before the shoe So I'd like for us just to turn to number 332. And I'd like for just to sing this. And think about that last line. I seek his favor in everything. When I get up in the morning, when I go to my job, when I'm cooking my meals, when I'm disciplining the kids, when I'm getting ready for bed, whenever, I seek his favor in everything I do. Let's just stand and sing this song and search our hearts as we sing it. Don't, don't be too big a hurry to sing it. Jesus, Thank <laughs> you. 
closely to hear my clean blessing still flow. And I love my Savior too. I love my Savior. Do you love him? He loves me too. Right now, Lord, I seek your favor. 